Welcome to the Love Yourself Healthy Podcast. I am Melanie Lillis. I'm an eating psychology coach, nutritional therapist, and I have my Bachelor of Physical and Health Education. Throughout this podcast, we are going to be diving into the realm of eating psychology, body image, self-love, and creating a healthy and happy mind. I cannot wait to share my knowledge with you in hope that it's going to positively influence your life. Welcome back to the Love Yourself Healthy Podcast, lovely people. I have a very, very exciting um, interview, actually, podcast for you today. I know I don't do many interviews, but this is going to be amazing. I have the beautiful Amber McKenzie here from Breaking Up With Yo-Yo Dieting, if you follow her on Instagram. Um, she is just an amazing person. I actually just did a podcast swap with her, so you'll be able to hear my interview with her and then your interview, um, her interview with me, which is really, really exciting. So Amber, I don't want to stuff up your title. Can you please give the listeners, um, what is your title? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a coach, a speaker, an author, and I just do my best to help people. Um, a little bit of what you do, but different. Also teaching people how to lose weight, keep it off in a healthy way so they can live in the body that they love, whatever that is for them. Amazing. I love this. Now, I know that you are a best-selling author on Amazon. What is the book that you um, wrote? Yeah, actually. So I co-authored a book called Counseling Insights. So it's in a bit of a different field for me. So um, yeah, I have a, a master's degree in a bit of a different field. And in that, then I wrote about um, substance use and then practical strategies for helpers on how to keep, help people that are struggling with substance related problems. So that's actually what that book's about. It was a lot of fun to write this year. And there's lots of overlap um, between substance use and how to overcome that and eating issues and how to overcome them. Yeah, amazing. And there totally is because the substance abuse is just kind of like a um like a habit, not so much a habit, but it's it's a disease I guess of the mind and it's um something that definitely can filter out through any kind of eating disorder or anything like that. So, yeah, before we get into it, I would love to know who is Amber? Where are you from? What was your childhood like and what do you do today? Well, that is a big question. So who am I? Well, I'm a Canadian, different than all of you. Well, I don't know who listens to your podcast, but you know, imagining yeah. a bit of a different audience. And um, actually, my, my half-sister moved to Australia many, many years ago. So I have been, and it was lovely, and I'm feeling like I need to go back. Um, Definitely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I think what, you know, what, why eating, why the podcast and this um, – got me in this direction is actually quite similar to your story when you were telling it. I was like, wow, we relate um, in a lot of ways. You know, I grew up being kind of a normal kid to start off. Not too much was wrong or different. I had some family problems, but I think everybody kind of does. And then, you know, I was um, in university. I was on the national team for Taekwondo. I was working. A lot was going right. Um, but then some family problems, they got worse. And so my brother, um, he struggled with addiction. And so now you can see why my, my passion for substance use comes out in my writing about him. And uh, he got really sick. And then to cope with his sickness, I started to eat. But I also had to make weight class for my Taekwondo competitions. And I was at a national level. So we had weighing categories and I kept eating and couldn't stop myself as just a way to get through those feelings. Mm. And then I had to get a way to make weight, even though I couldn't stop eating. So what that quickly turned into was also bulimia. 
And it was really difficult because it was a, a, a disease of silence, a disease I didn't tell anyone. Whereas my brother's illness was one where it was loud. It was everywhere. He reeked like uh, marijuana all the time, or there was beer bottles and beer cans in his room. There was, you know, I was in isolation, whereas his was so public. And then I felt the shame of, I can't be a problem because he's such a big problem. So I just really suffered in silence for a really long time. And then went to treatment. And even after the, the bulimia and that got better, I, I did really well for a number of years until I, you know, I, my bulimia took me in a weird course. Um, so I ended up I just couldn't purge away how many calories I was eating. So my weight quickly shot up. I gained over 60 pounds in three months at one point and my weight got up really high and eventually got to a point where I just thought, okay, like this has to stop. I don't care. I, I just need to live my life. Like I don't care how I look. And eventually when I just found some acceptance over my body, the weight came off and then you know, over time things happened and changed. And I decided I wanted to try to lose weight again. And when I tried to lose weight, it like reactivated every eating disorder thought and other thing that had ever come over me. And I struggled with binge eating again. I struggled with up and down weight. This is now hence breaking up with the yo-yo dieting, why the podcast, because I would go up weight and down weight and up weight and down weight and up weight and down weight. And it was just exhausting. And I struggled with trying to figure out how could I live in a body that I felt confident in most of the time? How could I live in a body that wasn't rapidly going up and down in weight? How could I just live in a stable way? And I kind of, I had to learn how to eat because the truth was I had lost so much touch with how to do that. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was, I would say early twenties to early thirties. Um, that was kind of what happened. I mean, you know, there was years, there was years in there where I was great and everything was amazing. And then there was years where I would struggle. And I just realized, you know, they say sometimes your mess is your message. And I realized that my life's work apparently has been to figure this out and teach people how to do the same, because I think it is so possible. I used to think that eating disorder recovery meant I had to be fat. And that's not true. It also doesn't mean that like you have to crazy count calories. That's not recovery actually. Um, And there's, there's so many things that I had misconceptions about. And I want people to know, you know, whether it's weight loss, whether it's eating disorder recovery, whether it's just normal healthy living that you can live in a body you're crazy about. Now that doesn't mean like for me, I'm never going to be a size zero. That's just not my body shape but I can love this body. And maybe that's through my mindset work or that maybe that's through, you know, using nutrition to facilitate a body that I feel great in with the body I actually have, not the body I don't have. And what I mean by that is, for example, my cousins, they're super petite and small. I used to wonder, like, used to think if I just dieted enough, I could look like them, but that was never going to happen. I had to realize that my frame was my frame and just befriend that and really work with that. And so this has just really led me on this mission to empower other people to, to learn how to eat in a way that is real for them, that works for their real lives, that is sustainable for the rest of their life so they can feel happy and confident and sexy and free, whatever that is for them. Um, but just sharing the tips, strategies, and tools that have changed my life and allow me to live this amazing life beyond my wildest dreams. Wow. Yeah, I just resonated what you, with what you said so 
much going from the being an athlete, having the weight to um, like the competition weight um, leading into the binge eating and into the bulimia. Also being a silent disease, a disease which I think a lot of people don't under, understand the severity of psychologically having no support. And also because it's a silent disease, people don't actually understand the severity of what you went through and they can't relate and they don't realize how much help we actually need once we have recovered because a lot of the time we haven't recovered through our mind. And then also then going on to the whole recovery doesn't mean putting on weight. I help a lot of people who are struggling with eating disorders and the biggest fear that they have is that if they recover, they are going to get fat and that's just so not the case. And then again, comparing yourself to other people, we spoke about it in my my podcast with you that we compare ourselves to something that we can never be. And it's such a, I call it the comparison disease. It's a disease of the mind. And yeah, wow. I just, (laughs) I just seriously resonated so much with every single thing you just said. So thank you for sharing that. So I'd love to go through the strategies that you have put into place for yourself that first of all, I guess, um, helped you recover from your eating disorder and then the practices that you still use today. Yeah. So one of the biggest ones, and that that hasn't always been the most popular strategy when I talk about it, but has truly been the answer every single time I struggle. And that is acceptance. Acceptance of my body exactly as it is that day. And so when I was at my heaviest weight, that was when I, I knew I had to change. I remember thinking, I am so miserable. I, w- I get out of bed thinking I hate myself. What's the point of being alive? just because I hate this body. And I was like, I think I was like 23 or maybe 24 at that time. And I realized that I had so many years left to live and it was not worth being miserable about my body. And I decided on that day to start living as if I lived in a body I loved. And that was the starting place to that kind of first recovery that went well for many years. This time again, in my late, late, late 20s, early 30s, when I had to, I'm 33, so, you know, I've, I've done many recoveries here. As, <laughs> yeah. as I had to, again, I was of normal weight that time. And I, you know, for whatever reason in my head, it was not enough. And I had to reframe that thinking again and accept my body exactly as it was on that day and stop trying to force change on a body that, you know, wasn't really changing the way I wanted to and stop just thinking about and thinking about the places of my not enoughness and choose to focus on what I could do and what the next right thought or action was. And so acceptance is my, I think acceptance, you can accept exactly where you are and still strive for change, but stop beating yourself up for where you are is, is part of the big thing in acceptance. So acceptance has always been my first strategy which has been everything. From yeah. there, um, you know, in, in the eating disorder and when I was stuck in wanting to look a certain way, one of the big things I would very often do is undereat, And I wouldn't eat enough. Or maybe I binged the day before and I was like, okay, and I would make these deals in my head like, okay, you binge, so now you can't eat tomorrow. Or I would make this deal with myself mm. all the time, but it would never work. You can only have coffee tomorrow which never worked. I would get halfway through my day and be on this weird, crazy coffee jitter and binge eat everything in sight. And, you know, I used to think because I didn't have the body, what I want the, that I wanted, the answer was to under eat, but under eating leads to deprivation, which leads to your body going into this animalistic 
hunger must obtain food because it thinks you're in a desert and you're starving. It doesn't know there's a grocery store around the corner. So I would just eat and eat and eat. So the next strategy, acceptance was one. And the second strategy I really had to work on was regular eating, which wasn't all that fun, but it was really getting into the routine of regular intervals of feeding because I had lost touch with my eater eating uh, hunger and fullness cues. I had totally lost touch with those. So I had to stop relying on my body to give them to me and eat at times, breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, and eat at those times to reorient my body to, to what it was like to be fed because it didn't know. And I was so scared. I remember throwing my slipper across the room because my mom had to help me and feed me. Um, and she would help me prepare my food. I threw my slipper across the room because I was so scared that if I ate this breakfast that she made me, that I was going to gain weight. But what actually happened, because I started out the first time I was overweight, is I lost weight because I had stopped binging. And then every subsequent time that I've had to employ the strategy of regular eating, my weight just like stabilizes. It stops going up and down. <laughs> so those would be the two biggest things, acceptance and regular eating. Yeah, I absolutely love those. I speak about acceptance a lot and it's it's actually such an easy strategy to do, but so many of us don't realize how easy it actually is. Um, I love that as well. And the regular eating is such a big one. A lot of the time, people are doing exactly what you said. They eat too much in the day and you see it in regular people as well. And by regular people, I mean those who aren't struggling even with eating challenges. They'll say, oh, I ate so much today. I'm just going to not eat as much tomorrow or whatever it is. But in particular with people who have eating disorders or disordered eating, they think that if they just, you know, reduce your carbohydrate intake, that that's going to help them lose weight. When in fact, the carbohydrates are your body's preferred energy and that's what your body's going to start craving. And it's so hard to push that away. And I love that you said, and you spoke about how important it is to be, I guess, go back to your natural hunger state and, and I guess intuitively, um, you know, understand what you're, you're feeling like, what your body is asking from you and just being a little bit kinder in ourselves as well, which is what I think we really need to do. Um, Mm -hmm. so I know that binge eating was a big thing for you. And I know we just touched on acceptance and, um, the regular eating routine. Is there, are there any other particular strategies that you have used for binge eating specifically? Um, maybe one or two strategies that you want to share with anyone? Yeah, I think some of it was like a little bit of mindset around macronutrients. So you just talked about carbohydrates and people get in this thing and I had it that carbs were bad. And it was like, I would see a carb and be afraid to eat it. But yet I had this secret longing and fantasies about cupcakes in my brain, right? (laughs) I feel that so much. (laughs) Really, I think a big thing is I had to begin to understand the role of food. I had to do a little bit of research, get a little bit of education, begin to understand like 25 to 55% of my overall daily caloric intake should come from a carbohydrate. It could Uh be a cupcake or it could be an apple or it could be quinoa, right? Like it could be so many things, but I had to understand that this wasn't bad. It was just food. If I eat all cupcakes all the time, that's probably not going to be good for me. But a sometimes cupcake is totally fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. And so I had to understand some of the role of nutrition and debunk some of the myths. Another myth I had is fats will make you fat. Hey, guess what? Mm -hmm. Fats don't make you fat. Fats, you know, create satiety, help with cell structure. Like they are good for you. They help with slowing the digestion of food. But if I eat 
a diet of 100% fat, okay, that's not great for me. So I had to understand how these things work together so I could balance my meals because there's some people out there that have a general idea of how to eat. I would say I didn't really. And so I had to get some information so that I could figure out what is sustainable eating for me. So that was a big thing I had to do to debunk some of the myths and the food rules that I had. Or, or for example, like a lot of food rules I had were don't eat carbs. And if you eat carbs, then you have to starve the next day or restrict your calories the next day. Or you can't have treats because treats are bad. Those were some of the food rules that I had. So I had to learn to identify the food rules and then debunk them. And most of them could be debunked. Like for example, treats are not bad. Treats are food. Treats are sometimes food and sometimes delicious and sometimes lovely and pleasurable, but they're not all the time foods. So I had to do a lot of thinking about what were those rules that perpetuated the eating problems and then doing some research so I could change them. I love that. I did a lot of study actually on um, toxic nutritional thoughts and beliefs and how society these days have created specific belief patterns that we instill in us and in particular carbohydrates and fat. Um, so I absolutely love that you just touched on that because I know a lot of people who listen my po- listen to my podcast listen specifically because they are either um, dealing with binge eating or an eating challenge. Um, so yeah, touching on that is really, really important that we need to start shifting our minds to know that food is food, but I think there's so much food out there that is now processed and genetically modified and it's really, really clouding our thoughts and our judgment and our understanding of what is natural and following the intuitive kind of natural eating pattern is hard because there are so many options. So I'd love that you touched on that because I think that's really, really important. Um, what you also touched on at the beginning was mindset. And I would love to tap into mirror work. I know that you speak about mirror work. Um, uh, is it something that you use and can you work us through, sorry, walk us through how to use the mirror in a positive way? Yeah. So when I was struggling with eating, even sometimes today, I can look in the mirror and say something negative and I'm like, whoa, 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 let's reel that in for a second. And so what I came to learn is looking in the mirror, when I'm negative to myself, I'm usually focused in on some part of my body I don't like in that moment. And so if you think, for example, if you think if you just woke up and you have a big zit on your face, When you look in the mirror, you like focus in on the big zit and you're like, wow, that's huge. And it's all you can see. (laughs) But if you you do something else for a second and step back and look at your body as a big picture, it's, you know, even if it's a huge zit, it's like a centimeter across or something, you know, it's, it's really small Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. So a big thing that I did that I know a lot of people that struggle with eating do when they look in the mirror is they over-focus on their flaws. So if it's your stomach rolls, rather than seeing your body as this balanced thing from from head to toes, you zoom in like you're zooming in on a camera to only look at your stomach roll. Well, what you focus on, you find, my friends, and what you focus on grows and what you focus on seems real and what you focus on, you become. So what I learned was to start basically zooming out on my flaws because here's the thing, I still got cellulite, I still have fat. None of these things are inherently bad or wrong, but when I zoom in on them, they're going to be there. So I really had to practice seeing myself as an overall picture and then also complementing the overall picture or complementing things I did like. 
And I know it kind of sounds silly, but my brain has no problem keeping a running tally of all the things about me that suck or I do wrong or aren't enough. My brain is like, see, let's just add that to the tally. Ooh, there's another thing I can add to the tally. And it's got this ongoing list. For whatever reason, it doesn't have the same list of everything that's awesome about me. The awesome list has to be effortfully and consciously created. So when I step back and I look in the mirror and I'm like, dang girl, your hair looks fly or overall your outfit looks amazing today or holy, you look strong. Gosh, girl, you're beautiful. My brain actually doesn't keep those and remember them for whatever reason. So something that's been so helpful for me is to go in and actually consciously say those things. And now more often than not, when I look in the mirror, they're there. And so it's really helping your, yourself when you look in the mirror, see the full picture of you, staying out of the zooming in, really zooming out and practicing compliments on, on parts of yourself or even your whole self that are different than the negative stuff your brain is telling you. Oh, yes. I love all of that. And it's funny as well, because I think we do this just in daily life, not just in our body. I think, you know, you could have, just say someone uploads a picture on Instagram and there's a thousand comments and there's one negative comment. Instead of seeing all of those thousand beautiful, lovely, positive comments, we focus in on that one negative comment. Or you could be having the best day ever at work and one coworker can say one bad thing to you and that's going to ruin your whole day. And it's exactly the same with our body, exactly what you said. You can focus on one bad thing about your body, which in the grand scheme of things is so micro, but we can't kind of, I guess, yeah, zoom out. I love that using that phrase, zooming out to actually see the whole picture. So yes, thank you for sharing that. I absolutely love it. So we are coming to the end of this podcast and I would love to know about any quote that you maybe live by or quote that you have used in your past that's really kind of helped you stay on track. Mm. Yeah, I think the quote that's coming up for me right now is it's better to have uh, loved and lost than to have never loved at all. And I even think that like with myself, it's better. I would rather fall deeply in love with myself. And to me, that's also relatively terrifying because Mm -hmm. loving myself seems so far from anything that could ever even happen possibly. Yet if I thought of romantic relationships, that was all I wanted so bad was to deeply, powerfully, soul crushingly love someone, even though that was really scary. And it made me think, what am I afraid of in loving myself? And my fear was that I would never be able to. And so I thought, heck, it is so much better for me to try to love and lose than to never give it a shot at all. So here you have me going for it wholeheartedly. Mm, I love that. Thank you. That's, that's a great one. I'm actually going to write that one down and post it as a quote. Quoting Amber McKenzie. <laughs> I know that's not your specific quote, but I absolutely, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's a really great way to think about it because so many of us are so scared to go in 100% and we do it once again in all aspects of our life. We hold back a little bit or we put up a wall, but I say all in, I wear my heart on my sleeve and um, you sound like you do too. And why the hell not? We live one life. Let's live it the best and the fullest as we possibly can. Oh so, my gosh. Yes. All right. Let's do that. <laughs> So before we finish up, I'd love to know how can people find you? What was the name of your podcast again in your Instagram? And just if anyone has any questions, because I have loved speaking with you. I think it's so 
amazing to connect with like-minded people and every single information that you shared today I know will specifically help all of my listeners. I have a very niche market of listeners. I get a lot of messages daily about how my podcasts are changing their lives because they're dealing with X, Y, and Z. And it's something I've never experienced before from helping people. Um, so I know that they are probably just can't wait to connect with you and find out more about you. So do you mind sharing where they can find you in your podcast? Yeah. So my podcast is Breaking Up With Yo-Yo Dieting. And it's the same as my Instagram handle, Breaking Up With Yo-Yo Dieting. And my name is Amber McKenzie, where you can find me on all the things, except soon it's going to be changing to Amber Dalson. So getting married this year, oh, so it'll be changed from Amber McKenzie yay. to Amber Dalson. Oh, that's very exciting. Congratulations. Oh, thank you <laughs> so much. Yeah, we're thrilled. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you once again for being on the podcast. It was amazing to finally interview someone who is not my friend because <laughs> I've only interviewed one other person before and this was so, so fun. Hopefully we can do it again um, sometime. But yeah, thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would be so grateful if you were able to leave me a review and please follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at BearXBrave. If you have any questions or you want to contact me at all, please email me at lyh underscore podcast at outlook.com. I'll talk to you in my next podcast.